The Massachusetts Prostate Cancer Coalition presents Prostate Cancer, One Man's Journey, a special podcast series featuring Michael Despezio, who shares insightful experience in dealing with prostate cancer, from his early diagnosis to medical options he undertook to how his quality of life was affected. Michael is a writer, TV host, and science educator who's co-authored over 60 science textbooks used in K-12 classrooms. He's chronicling his journey with prostate cancer in an effort to help others. Where does this journey start for you? My journey begins in the summer of 2021 when my whole life is suddenly turned upside down. I was diagnosed with high-risk prostate cancer, but I was fortunate. I had enough science background to construct a meaningful understanding of this disease, along with an awareness of the decisions I had to make. Most people, I realized, were not as privileged. So that's why I'm here with you, to share my story, along with my understanding of prostate cancer, so that others can be better informed not only about the disease, but about the critical decisions they'll need to make. How old were you uh, when this all started? I first realized that something was amiss probably when I was about 67 years old. There was something going on with my PSA. Mm -hmm. We were watching it. We were monitoring it. It went up and then it went down. And it went on like that probably for about a year and a half. What was it that finally suggested to the doctors that you had an issue? Well, when I was in my 60s, I would go for a normal yearly health checkup, and part of that was doing a blood test. And part of that blood test was looking at your PSA level. In addition, there'd be a DRE, short for Digital Rectal Exam, where they're looking for any nodules, any masses, which might be suggested that you have prostate cancer. And what I had was a rising PSA, indicative that something was going on. There was a good chance that it was not prostate cancer. However, that rise in PSA is a flag for someone to, okay, let's see what this is all about. It's a very interesting point. It might not be prostate cancer, the rising PSA. In fact, in most cases of rising PSA, it is not prostate cancer. There are other illnesses, other conditions that one may have that really will cause an increase in PSA. And then even with the rise in PSA, once you look at it and you go for further testing and they do find out it's prostate cancer, there's a range of prostate cancers that, that you might have, a range of the risk that's right. associated with your specific prostate cancer. So your primary care physician is the first individual to note this. That is correct. Okay. My primary care physician looked at me. She, you know, had the results with her. She said, you know, something is up with the PSA. We're going to monitor this closely, but also I'd like you to see a urologist because I want someone who specializes in the prostate to really begin monitoring what you've got here and see if we need to do something further. At this time in your journey, you're entering a phase that is sometimes referred to or often referred to as active surveillance? Interesting. Uh, active surveillance is a term which really defines an active type of therapy where you have a schedule for set tests where someone is monitoring you on a tight leash, we, we mm -hmm. could say, in mm -hmm. a way that they're following your PSA level to make sure that this is not rising or that you don't have anything else which is suspicious that it needs immediate attention. 
Right. So active surveillance is a type of treatment, and it is actively looking at what your PSA is. And based upon how your PSA level is behaving, you're going to de- determine your next course of action. What about my relatives? What about my family history? My family tree, does it exist throughout? I'm sure you did that research. My urologist wanted to know, mm. was there a family history of prostate cancer. I had to ask my sister if, <laughs> if my dad, who lived a, a long life up until 98, uh, if he had prostate cancer. No, he had some issues with the prostate. He had uh, bladder cancer. Everything was addressed, but he did not have prostate cancer. Let's talk a little bit about the PSA then. So you had a rising PSA count. What finally propelled your primary care to say this is concerning? What, how many tests did it take? That kind of thing. Okay. Well, generally, if you you're going for PSA testing. You're going for a yearly test. If, if you're in your 60s, uh, again, this will depend upon your primary care physician and how they see the need for it. Uh, with my risk factors, I would go once a year. And I had a PSA, which was at a level of two nanograms per milliliter, fancy term for just talking about the concentration. So let's say a PSA of two. And then it tested about a year later, maybe it was 2.4, 2.5, which is raising uh, some flags that there might be something going on. However, when I began approaching a PSA of three, four, there was a, an issue that we need to look at it because something is triggering this rise in PSA because normally, we shouldn't be seeing something like that. And for my age group, we're looking, and again, it depends upon the physician, it depends upon the practitioner, the urologist, what is the critical cutoff point? It's soft because it depends upon other factors, Mm. but generally, generally, if you're seeing a PSA rise of approaching four or four for my age group, it's time for action to be taken to see somebody that is a specialist in this area. Now, you, with your background in science and biology as a lecturer, as a researcher, I'd like to know what you're thinking and feeling at this point, Michael. Great question, because I shared this with my son when I visited him after having the rising PSA and looking at it. And, you know, I had to think, what was I going to tell him? And first of all, I was going to tell him that the PSA was rising, but not to worry at all, because most times the PSA rise does not does not wind up where you're later diagnosed with prostate cancer. There are other conditions. Uh, You can have an enlargement of the prostate. There can be infection, which causes a rise in PSA. So I was not concerned. Plus, at this time, I was really a newbie about understanding prostate cancer, that from what I knew, yeah, it's not going to affect you. You most likely, if you do have it, you're going to die with the disease, not of the disease. And it's not going to be a big issue. Right. At this point, PSA is rising. There is some concern. You're concerned, rightfully so. You're presented with early options. One of the early options in my notes uh, might involve some kind of biopsy, I would imagine. But there are different types of biopsy. So where are we at this point in the Michael story? Okay, the Michael story. (laughs) At this point, I have the rise in PSA. Also, I've had the DRE, the digital rectal exam, and that was negative. So they were not finding a mass on the prostate. However, Mm -hmm. the digital rectal exam cannot test the whole gland. It only gets a part of it, and it might not be detected that way. So 
my initial action was as soon as I saw this, start reading, start learning more about this. So before doing anything, I, I dove into the literature. Mm -hmm. I went online. There are incredible resources out there, American Cancer Society, too, different types of prostate organizations, uh, which will really inform you about the decision making that you need to make. But in order to make a viable decision, you need to be informed. So that was my first step, was just to begin reading. So I cut off from everybody, and for two weeks, all I did was read about it. So my question has to do with the availability of material, the the ability for the average layman, lay guy to figure it out. I mean, you're a biologist, expert, scientist, but for me or any of the listeners, guys our age, is it accessible information? That's a great question. <laughs> and as I said to my wife, who's a nurse or who is a retired nurse, um, I think maybe you're always a nurse, that this was so unfair that I was able to read and understand yeah. the higher level pieces, that I could actually go to the journal articles and distill from that research what it meant in terms of my own position. Mm -hmm. Most individuals don't have that option. So I was fortunate enough that I had the biology background that I could go and understand what I was reading. That said, there is quite a bit of material out there which has been digested and presented in a way that most individuals can learn about prostate cancer. However, for that deeper dive, you need a deeper understanding. So what did you end up doing at that point? We'll talk about your specific choice and why that mattered to you. I first found that there was a rise in PSA with my general practitioner, and she had suggested to see the urologist. The urologist then put me on a schedule of testing, so we had more data points to look at of what was going on with my PSA. And it was interesting because one of my PSA levels dropped, and there I was, whew, mm. this is great. This is just sure. an anomaly that it was going up. But then the following one went up. And it went up to about four. And at that point, the urologist said, you know what? We need to look at getting a biopsy. You need to consider okay. getting a biopsy. Better find out what is actually going on. Maybe there's no tumor there. Key question. Symptoms. Were there symptoms that you could quantify? I had zero symptoms. Yeah. I was a healthy guy. I was bike riding 25 miles a day, uh, enjoying it. And <laughs> I was living the life. This was the last thing that I would expect. The only clue to that something was off were the results on that PSA test. So we'll conclude our first episode together by you telling me and my audience about the MRI fusion-guided biopsy. How did it actually work out for you? It was the ideal course of action because what that MRI did was able to locate the small tumor that I had. And later on, when I went for the biopsy, the information that was gained from that MRI was used to target this tumor. Because my feeling is if that if I did not have that MRI and we did not locate this, this tumor, uh, which was maybe about the size of a pea or so, which mm. is fairly small, if we did not locate this tumor, the biopsy needles, and I'll talk about biopsy later, the biopsy needles would have missed this critical spot. And it may not have shown in the biopsy that I had cancerous tissue. And the follow-up question that has to be asked is, what about discomfort and pain? Every procedure affects people differently, but how about you? 
And you know I was thinking about that <laughs> as I sat down waiting. It, it did not hurt. However, there was certainly a bit of discomfort. The actual procedure felt like somebody was taking an elastic, a rubber band, and snap, snap, snap. Mm. So each time a biopsy needle took a sample, I felt that snap, and obviously you, you move around a little bit. Uh, in following the procedure, there was really no pain. There was certainly discomfort. I had uh, an issue in sitting down and feeling comfortable for maybe about six or eight hours. I had taken some Advil, which addressed it perfectly, and by the next day, maybe a little bit of discomfort, but nothing major. Next time we get together, we'll talk about the results of the tests, the pathology, what it indicated, and then what procedures you decided to embark on. Michael, thank you so much, and you look great, by the way. (laughs) My pleasure, and thank you for allowing me to be here. The topics discussed on this podcast are for educational purposes only and should not be used to make medical decisions. Every individual has unique circumstances which will influence their medical care and the application of scientific literature should be interpreted within the context of your general health. Please consult a doctor before making any clinical decisions. You've been listening to a special series, Prostate Cancer, One Man's Journey with Michael Despezio. For more, visit the Massachusetts Prostate Cancer Coalition website, masspcc.org. Again, you can subscribe and download our regular podcast series, Prostate Cancer and You, available on all major podcast platforms. This is Jordan Rich. Thank you for listening.